This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money, I'm Glenn James. And I'm John Pigeon. And welcome to the podcast today. Now, we are doing it a little bit different this year. We are trying to do more of your questions being answered on a Tuesday, and John and I are actually sitting in the courtyard of Modern Organic, which is a cafe at Long Jetty on the New South Wales Central Coast. So, if you're ever around, drop in, great food Mm. and great coffee. There is indeed. Now, John, you're the property guru. What's happening out there in property land? Well, it's busy. Yeah. Yes. I think um, people always ask for hot spots and not spots, and I do that every year, um, put it out there to the punters. But I, I think this year is more about every, or almost every market, major market around the country you look at at the minute, housing market is flying, right? Lack of supply, high demand. Yeah. Wow. Everyone's wanting to buy because where else do you want to put your money or where can you put your money? So I don't think it's necessarily hot spots out there because at the moment they're all hot. It's more um, hot types versus mm. not types. Yeah. Right, so house from unit, from apartment, etc. So that's where I'm spending a lot of my energy at the moment. So if you do want to know more about property, you can head over to My Millennial Property. It's a podcast that's dedicated to property and John and Emily Wallace host that. Emily's out of Melbourne. Now, we can't do this podcast without the help of our own resources. Uh, So, if you're new to the show, welcome. We are an independent podcast studio. Jess and the team, or the two Jesses, they've created My Money Journal. We've recently launched that. We're talking about it all January. So, if you want to get your thoughts out of your mind onto paper, this journal is for you. It will guide you through step-by-step uh, thought-provoking questions to really get your thoughts onto paper. So, you can grab the My Money Journal. It's available now. There's some pictures on Instagram. There's some pictures on the website and you won't be disappointed. No, you won't. And coincidentally, this isn't pre-recorded. I put this in the mail for someone today. Did you really? Yeah, my nephew. Wow. He's a young punter. He's uh, 19 and he's ready to rumble. Love it. First question today, Kat asks... Can I build a house on my vacant land using the equity from it? So, I'll throw to you there, John. Short answer is yes. Okay. So, let's give a couple of examples. Uh, Kat has purchased a block of land and we'll call it Mm $200,000. The block of land value has increased to $300,000. Yes. So, there's $100,000 equity. Effectively, Kat could go to her broker and they could use that $100,000 equity to use to build a house? Is that how it works? Yeah. So, a couple of things to pull apart there. One is understanding what Cat owes on that $300,000 newly valued block of land. So, if she only owes, say, one eighty on it, she's therefore got 120000 of which uh, maybe 80 of that might be usable. 
So she could potentially pull that 80 out and use that as your deposit to build a home with on that block. Now the valuer or the lender, sorry, will will look at that and um, look at the plans and do an as complete valuation. Right. So, so she can use the equity for the deposit that might be the 20% and the bank will loan her the remainder amount to get the build completed provided that they're happy with the valuation and the loan-to-value ratios remain uh, strong. So a question there, like if um, like if someone goes to buy a house and land package, it's all kind of, there you go, it's all good. Mm. But if someone purchased a block of land uh, and Cat might have held it for a couple of years in an everyday suburb that was already established, yeah. what's the actual process? Would she go and try and find a builder and get some quotes yep. and then speak to the mortgage broker and say, hey, we're looking at these type of properties or would you speak to the broker first and say, hey, based on our income, mm. based on the values of the existing block of land and any debt on that, uh, can you give us a guide of what we might be able to afford? Yeah, I think that way first because that way you you rule out uh, particular builds or builders, size of build, etc. So, if the broker comes back and says, yeah, look, we can, you should be able to lend on a 500k build, you know that that's your ceiling and, and then you work back from there. So yeah, it's a very different combination of buying land outright and then waiting 12 months, two years, three years before you actually go and buy on it, uh, build on it because A, there's holding costs on the land, there's no income being generated from it Yeah. and B, you don't know if you can lend to build on it after the fact. Whereas when you do a house and land package, you know you're getting confirmation to, to, to buy the land and get approval mm. to build right at the start. So for those looking at wanting to buy a block of land uh, that's already in an established suburb or perhaps they just want to buy a block of land in a, an estate that will let you do that without buying the house as well, uh, there's a couple of things to note. One, obviously you've got to pay the interest payments on the block of land yes. while it's sitting there over the years and it's not tax deductible. No. Chat with your accountant. Sometimes you can if your intention is to build, but then it's a bit of a grey area. Intention to build to live there or as an investment property? Y- yes. So, that's right. That's where you need to chat to your accountant um, mm. if you're intending to build. Well, if it's anything to do with owner-occupier, generally speaking, it's not tax yeah. deductible. So, they're just a couple of, uh, we call them holding costs. So, to hold the property uh, without any income without living there, mm. you've got to pay the mortgage payments. Yep. So, it might be handy if you are living at home still and you wanted to do something or living with the in-laws, Yeah. Uh, but it's just an extra wild thing. And just quickly, further to Kat, when she's looking for builders, mm. she wants to try and get fixed price. Is that your yes. advice there? Yeah, for two reasons. Well, there's many more, but these are the main two. One is so that you can get lending on the whole amount. So if you've got a fixed price, you know that that's the whole box and dice. And and number two is that there aren't any uh, surprises when when she goes to finish. So if it's if blinds and landscaping and, and driveway yeah. all not included, yep. now I have to go and get quotes for those. How am I getting that money? Because I can't lend on it because I've already got my lending. Yeah, now. sweet. This is an interesting question. Dean Morrison asks: Credit and lending. What's important? Who does it well? Can you ever borrow money strategically? Should you borrow money for everyday things? (laughs) Hold my beer. (laughs) I didn't tell you this, John, but I had a phone call last week with, and I'll keep it very vague, it may have been a big four bank. Right. They may have wanted to use me for a promotion. And 
it was a credit product. And mm. I'm not talking about mortgages and home loans. Ooh, something after. It wasn't afterpay. Mm. Uh, I know that much. Anyway, I said, look, with due respect, I've spent years trashing yeah. you know, personal loans, yeah, credit yeah. cards. There's no way I can work with you on this and I don't want your money. Mm. No <laughs> so, matter how many zeros. No, that's right. So, yeah. that was uh, just for those wondering, like we do have different show sponsors and yeah. episode advertisers, uh, but I can't in good conscience uh, ever promote credit cards or mm. afterpays and all that stuff, personal loans on the, on uh, the podcast. And, and good on you because a lot would have um, sold out, wouldn't they? And, and I think it's a notch in the belt to know that one of the big boys have come knocking. It sucks because I really like money. <laughs> <laughs> now, so I'll start at the, the bottom of this. Should you borrow for everyday things? Well, I think no. Uh, it's a slippery slope mm. and the research says that you actually spend more when you use borrowed money to buy consumables. Yes. So, you just have to get out of that habit. Yeah. Uh, it's as simple as that. There's an episode that's either up on the podcast already or it's going up this week and I did an interview with uh, Professor Robert Frank and he's the economics professor at Cornell, which is an Ivy League university in the States. Yep. And he's written so much stuff about using credit for day-to-day -day stuff and it's fascinating. And I don't do that myself. So, in terms of should you borrow for everyday things, I think no, it's fraught with danger. Yep. Uh, it's a slippery slope. I know a lot of people play the points game. That's awesome. Uh, but you might be spending more money than what you otherwise would. I can't tell you what to do with your money, uh, but I certainly don't. Now, to Dean's point about strategically and borrowing money strategically, talk to us, John, about if someone wanted to borrow strategically for their first property mm. and maybe it's uh, – we'll start with the view of uh, living there for five years and then moving out and having it as the investment property. What's a strategic thing they might do uh, with borrowing money for that first property? Yeah, so for first home buyers, the first thing that springs to mind is – having a parental guarantor or some sort of uh, bank of mum and dad that helps you in with your either deposits or your servicing. So that might even involve some sort of joint venture with mum or dad if that's what it needs to be or a joint venture with someone else. Um, so that's some, some pretty basic strategic stuff. When you're at the other end of the scale, when I suppose you've got um, multiple properties and you're starting to build your wealth, that's when maybe you can explore... Um, even some different styles of lending like um, low-doc lending, especially for business owners that um, might come with a high rate but actually get you the loan you need because you know the deal stacks up um, for development projects, etc. So that that's one thing to look at. Um, and then if you want to con continue to go higher than that, then you're in private banking territory where you, you get to sit down with your own banker and have a chat about what they can do on a, on a larger level. Now, that's usually got seven figures associated with it and, uh, and much higher. But I guess for the bread and butter strategically, as an example, when I purchased my property that I live in now, one day that will be an investment property. Yeah. So, I've uh, set the loan up. So, there's an offset account. So, yeah. I've got a heap of money that's not paid down on the mortgage. Mm. So, if I do want to go and buy another property that I live in, yeah. I don't have to redraw money out of that first property yeah. um, that I'm living in and put on my home because technically I've uh, broken the rules. Mm. Yeah. So, it's it's making sure that a strategic mortgage broker is in your corner, but you're also having a chat with your accountant at the same time. 
So. Yeah, and when I say breaking, break, I've broken the rules if I did that because basically what I've done, if I've paid down $100,000 on my mortgage that I'm living in my house, then I turn that property into an investment property and withdraw the $100,000 out and then made that whole loan tax deductible, mm. I've technically, it's basically tax evasion for claiming an expense on that hundred grand. Mm. So, yep. it's just, and this is why having a good mortgage broker in your corner will help you be strategic and they should be asking you the correct questions. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you need to get this stuff done before the fact, not after it, because once, you, once you're down the path, it's very hard to swing around. Totally. Tom Welsh, I'm 30. I have two properties. Oh, congratulations. One with a stack, stack of equity from a reno. I have a small share portfolio of less than 15K. Am I better to recycle some of the equity into the stock market in the current environment or save it for another property bargain? What do you reckon? Well, I reckon, first and foremost, Tom, you're asking a question about your goals because equity investments and property investments, they're both growth investments. Um, they're both slightly different strategies. So, I would think it's a, you've got to sit down and work out, do you want a, a third property? You could love property or do you want to diversify? Yeah. And- that's okay, but I think it is more about getting clear on what you want to do with your investments. Yep, that's a really good answer. Um, Tom, well done on your two properties and your share portfolio to date at 30. It's a massive achievement, I think. So, And, and you've obviously created some equity from one of those properties as well. So, um, good work. I, I absolutely agree with that. I think it's – and I find people are, are dominant towards one or the other property or shares – and it's usually about a 80-20 sort of breakup. So if that's you, Tom, then I think stick to what you know if it's shares or property and go down that path majority of the time and then you not your spare change but your leftovers is diversified into the other. Yeah, and I would also, um, you know, two properties, getting a third property, you know, that's going to be a whole other bit of debt. And do you want to carry another, I'll make a number up, $500,000 worth of debt? you might not be comfortable to do that. Well, if you're like, well, I've already got a million dollars worth of debt over the two properties, you could be like, well, I don't think I can actually stomach having $1.5 million worth of debt. Yeah. So maybe it is. And this is why, go to the website and there'll be a link in the show notes. If you want to sit down with an advisor, you know, or have a clarity call with John, because it could be a way, because I think John, in these situations, the tax play has a lot to do with it. Mm. It could be maybe well, let's look at salary sacrificing to super. Yeah. So we are investing in equities and yeah. getting that tax saving along the way as well. Yeah, look, he talks about the current environment. The current environment's an interesting one because shares on, on, on a whole from April, May onwards have performed really strongly, haven't they? Because mm. they've recovered. Um, so they're probably more volatile, but they've, they've also returned probably back to where they were Pre-COVID. Yeah, pre, pre-COVID. So, not that I spend a lot of time looking at it, but in my limited um, look at it with what I've got, that's what I'm, I've found. A lot of people are going into property because they see it as a safe haven, mm. but it's also in a lot of places, it's, it's quite hot at the minute to buy in. Yeah. And just the elephant that might be in the room, and I was dancing around it because I couldn't be bothered answering it, but I will. <laughs> I think Tom's actually talking about um, debt recycling as well. 
And that strategies, and this is where you will need an advisor, Tom, is, you know, if you do have $100,000 worth of equity in your property, you may be able to get some type of loan and invest that equity that you've got in your property into equity markets. Mm. And then you use the dividends to pay down the non-deductible home loan debt, for example. Yes. And then over time, um, you keep topping up that equity loan and they call it debt recycling mm. and basically recycle your deductible debt and your non-deductible debt. So oh, the one increase the other. Yeah. So, Tom, it, you do need advice, but I do go back to my first comment. I think it is that strategy. What's your risk appetite? Um, can you, you know, see a weekly, daily you know, stock price on the news and get freaked out yeah. versus the other side of it. Do you all, do you want that amount of debt in your life? So, yeah, and and just uh, not not to give a tick in the property corner or anything, but I will. Um, when when you say debt in your life, I think it's all relative to the cash flow in your life as well. So, what incomes are on, what those properties are yielding at, what the dividends of your current share portfolio are yielding at. So, yeah, but there's a human factor of I owe this much. And that worry of, oh, well, if two tenants moved out and I've got to service this loan, if the yeah. worst case happened, if COVID, you know, 2.0 happened or 3.0, whatever up to, yeah, yeah. what level of stress do you want in your life, mm. potentially? Depends on your risk profile, yeah, doesn't it? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Sometimes we get stuck in our own heads. That's why we've created the My Money Journal. This journal is a way you can get your thoughts onto paper, sort out your plans and goals, figure out what's happening with your money and start making the changes you want to see in your life. So if this journal is for you or perhaps you want to buy it as a gift for somebody, head to sortyourmoneyout.com, click shop and we'll get one right to you. So, John, this is the last episode that you'll be doing for a little while. Yes. Tell us what you're up to. Well, I've, um, I've pulled the kids out of school and dragged my wife along, kicking and screaming. No, no, she actually initiated it. <laughs> we were going to go and travel around WA for a good 12, 14 weeks, um, but obviously COVID's put a little bit of a stop to that. So, we're going to travel around New South. Mm. So... We're going to take our time, not have real agenda to it. Uh, we know we're heading south initially and then just giving the, I suppose, pressing reset on life for everyone in our family and just giving the kids an experience as well. So, for anyone thinking about doing a similar thing, actually, do you know Clint and Astrid? Yes, they're, they're about to Yeah, they're about to do it as well. Yes, yeah. I heard. So, just with the school thing, yeah. like, do you have to tell the Department of Education or are you going to have Doc's Department of Community Services following your card <laughs> to arrest you? Is this like, being recorded? Yeah. Like, how <laughs> yeah. does that practically work? Yeah, good question. Practically, and I don't know because Amy's done a lot of this research f for me, but I think it's like 30 weeks or under or 20 weeks or under that you still need to get approval from your school that that's what you want to do. Um, and then they approve that. 
there's no necessary formal education that's needed in that time other than what the school might give you and, and the education that you want to give them when they're around. But anything yeah. over that, you definitely need to um, what they call homeschool officially. So you need to be set up with uh, resources and, and, and be connected in. into a program. Correct. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so for us, like they're learning and, and this might sound for someone who hasn't got kids or um, otherwise it might sound blasé but their education for the next 12 13 weeks is seeing australia and life life and living out of a caravan and having some fun yeah just mixing it up i suppose and and everyone that i've spoken to who's done that that's older in life than i am have uh, have said look it was the best six months or 12 months or three months of our our life and it gave the kids so much more and i don't want to put you on the spot but how old are your kids and what's their name <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, there's seven, nine, eleven. Yeah, okay. Um, in that order, Charlie, Max. Uh, no, Charlie, Molly, and Max. <laughs> <laughs> now, John's wife is a teacher as well, so I'm sure. Uh, Correct. If it, if it was needed to do a formal classroom education, yeah, they could probably do that. Give it, but yeah, look, and don't let that put you off. If you're thinking about it or just pondering it for future when you do have kids, I don't think that's a requirement either. I mm. think it's just the whole premise for us is um, break up life, get an experience. So, can you do us a favour? Mm. Maybe while you're away, make some notes and then when you get back, we might do a podcast episode about it. Yeah, cool. And I'll get Amy in as well and yeah. we'll, um, we'll talk about it. Reluctantly, she'll approve. Awesome. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, you might not hear John on the main show for a little bit. We might try and get him while he's there. Uh, we might keep your image on the cover art just, just. For, for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah. I am going to be, like, for my followers at Solvay, I'm blogging each town we go through and, and just um, giving a look at the property market mm. in that particular area. Great. Sarah Onyekan, sorry, I can't pronounce your name. Saving when you're an entrepreneur. I've just started making enough to start contributing to super, but am, but I'm unsure whether it's better to do additional super contributions to make up for lost time or put the money into stocks. Well, this is Glenn James 101. Yeah, well, I'll say a couple of things. Number one, putting money into super is basically putting money into stocks because your superannuation portfolio is invested in the Australian stock market, the international stock markets around the world. Mm. So that's kind of myth number one with Sarah's question there. And I like these questions because I don't ever want to assume, John, that everybody listening knows the answer and I don't ever want to assume that I know the answer and if we don't have the answers we'll get someone in who does but effectively putting money into a super is putting money into stocks so that's yeah. number one yeah number two it's I like it as well because I kind of did this when I started my business so for me you know you're an entrepreneur you're out starting your business oh I've got a you know an extra three hundred dollars this week do I want to pay the rent or put it into super well it's yeah. a pretty easy decision yeah. that <laughs> roof over my head that I'm going to pay my rent and for the first few years I wasn't contributing to super then what I did is I started to put a weekly amount into my super just so it was cash flowed so as a a post tax contribution or a personal contribution each week I think I did fortnightly to be brutally honest uh, into super so number one I didn't 
um, get this thing at the end of the year. It's like, oh, I have to put money in. Like it was kind of cash flowed out of sight, out of mind. So, so was that a just a nominal amount or was it a percentage that you worked out? I basically did it. I think, you know, if I was earning 100 grand, for example, so I would put in 10 grand, 10 grand or, or something grand. like that. Yeah. So whatever your, and John, I actually did it based on what the market was paying. So if you're a self-employed hairdresser, and you go, look, if I was just an employee down the road, I might get 80 grand or I'm making up a number. Yeah. So, you might go, look, I'm just going to put X amount in. And then at the end of the year, then you can make the call. So, for me, because I had had those first three or so years without putting money in, I actually did put extra in. Right. Catch up. Yeah, to catch up. And yeah. also, um, I knew the tax advantages of yeah. doing so. Sure. Because that was relative to your income rising. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So... For anyone out there who's starting their own business or looking to do that, number one, there's a podcast called My Millennial Business that I run and we're just talking to the business owners. But number two, I honestly think if you just do a token and amount each week, fortnight, month, mm. and then at the end of the year, before the end of June, you might have a conversation with your accountant, say, look, what are the numbers here doing? Yeah, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. Okay, well, there's technically five grand extra left. Well, let's put 2500 into super yep. and then let's take the extra $2,500 home as profit and yeah. you know save for your first home or do whatever you need to do. Cool. So, going back to the start when you said, look, putting into super is very similar to putting it into stocks because same thing. Mm. Do you think people see uh, an added safety of saying, well, I'm just going to put it into super even though it's the same asset class primarily? For me, it was an added safety because I couldn't get my mitts on it, sell it down and buy a new yeah. boat or motorbike. But it, it, aside from that- Are you turned In terms oh, of like, investment risk? Yeah, like um, outcome, returns, volatility. Yeah. I, it really depends if you actually understand what super is. Mm. And we know that superannuation is just a tax structure. Mm. So, I can set up my own tax structure called uh, superannuation yeah. as a self-managed super fund and put a hundred and or a hundred percent of my money into Bitcoin. Yeah. Or go and buy a house. Or go and buy a house or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it really in theory there is no differentiation in terms of the risk, but in theory and practice, uh, there are tax advantages from putting money into super. Yeah. So for example, if you are self-employed, there's no legal mandate that you put money into superannuation. But if you put money in and claim that on tax, the super fund will take 15% tax because everybody pays a contributions tax. And, you know, I, I used to say to clients, John, like, all right, you've got 10 grand left over this year or five grand left over this year. You don't need the money for anything immediate. Would you rather pay 30% tax on that or 15% tax? Yeah. Your choice. But, but if you are self-employed and you are an employee of that mm. company, you need to pay super. Well, if you are an employee of your own company, mm. you would be paying yourself super with the staff payroll anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, we might leave it there. Thank you so much for listening today, everyone. Yes. Uh, if you do like the new format of the show, uh, let us know. Either send me a message on Instagram at mymillennialmoney uh, give us a little five-star review if you're listening on Apples. We love reviews and Good. we really appreciate everyone's support. And we thank you for, you know, downloading the uh, Glenn James Spending Plan, John Solvair Online Academy, mm. uh, the My Millennial Journal, all that stuff. And yeah, we 
We want to have a really fun year. Yeah. And let us know any topics you want us to cover. You can go to mymillennialmoney.com and submit a question there. And yeah, I'm I'm pumped for a, a big year. Same. All right. See you in about three months. Righto. Later. Have fun. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.